Hello, Plumsters. It's Melanie. How are you doing? I hope everything is okay. I know that we're facing a lot of harrowing news this week, and we just want you to know that we're here for you, and we hope that you're able to take care of yourself and each other. If you'd like a small break from these tragedies in the news, we're offering a Plume Storytime mini-episode with a magical realism story for you today. And also, side note, we're preparing a roundtable episode to talk about this egregious Roe vs. Wade reversal and brainstorm some possible next steps with other women and non-binary activist writers. For now, here's a story. We remember a lot of our power through stories. If the River Men Take You is a short tale by Plume's own Dawn Sperber. This is from her debut flash fiction chapbook, Now That's a Trick, out for pre-order now from Finishing Line Books, and we'll drop the link for that in the show notes. Each story in this small, potent book highlights one of life's tricks, whether the trick uses coins or reflections or songs or rings or belief. Together, the characters in these tales search for identity and fulfillment and find these snapshots of poignant poetry. Here is some advanced praise from Summer Wood, who's the author of Raising Wrecker and Arroyo, and who we had on the show last summer. These sprightly, sparkly stories beckon the reader into a world where anything can happen. Everyday life is transformed, no, transmuted, into something unpredictable and a little risky. And the language leaps and dips, motored by passion, by humor, by fondness for these eccentric characters. These stories are dreamscapes, tuned to the key of loss and redemption. I thoroughly enjoyed them. And here's a little bit about Dawn. Dawn Sperber is a writer, artist, editor, and RA warrior living in New Mexico. She is the author of Now That's a Trick by Finishing Line Press, currently available for pre-order, don't forget, and also My Bones Are Love Gifts, and that's by Shanti Arts. And this is a book of poetry and drawings due out later this year. Her writings have appeared in Daily Science Fiction, Pank Magazine, Bourbon Pen, Kin Literary Journal, Nanofiction, Hunger Mountain, Zizza Lit, Analemma, and elsewhere. She's also the co-creator and co-host right here at Plume, a writer's podcast. Find her at dawnsperber.com. Now, for If the River Men Take You. Enjoy, dear listeners. Rest and rejuvenate. If the River Men Take You. I'm sure Rusty won't believe me. I bet he'll look for the psychological reasons, the passive aggression in losing my engagement ring, Supposedly, I imagine him saying with wide nostrils, by mistake, then he'll staccato, while crossing our same bridge, meaning where we met. I don't know how to answer people who are so suspicious. I didn't throw the ring in. It's not like I wanted to lose it. Are you trying to get out of this? He'll probe like a judge, which isn't a very romantic way to talk to your sweetheart. He doesn't admit with the Rio Grande's like, but it's got fate threaded through its water, and every now and then that river changes lives. Martha got pregnant just by going there, well, and she got in, but still wading in the river and swimming has never gotten a woman pregnant before, and no one could understand it, especially not her husband, impotent Jim. Of course I won't bring that up now. Last night was Rusty and Jim's pool night, like every Thursday since the divorce. After all this time, Jim still doesn't ask about the baby. The last time he talked to Martha was when we were all at Applebee's, 
and he said little Anthony wasn't his, in a loud speech ending with cuckold. Later in the bathroom, Martha swore to me the river had made Jim's sperm take hold. She said she felt it happen inside her when a wave wet her to the waist and a brightness flashed under her skin beneath her belly button in her depths, a light turning on, and that was it. Back when I met them five years ago at the fall barbecue, Jim was sweet and a little awkward, keeping his arm around Martha's shoulder almost the entire day. He introduced her to me as his prize, but once the river got her pregnant, he turned cold and hard as a winter lock frozen shut. Martha moved away to Lake Shasta for warmth and to go live by her family, but I saw her in my dream just two nights ago. She was laughing in slow motion and cradling a golden baby with fertile green eyes, shining like first prize. I took it as a good sign. A more spiritual man might thank the potent river that blessed his wife. Jim's an import car mechanic with 10-hour workdays, and when the pieces didn't match up, he made his decision. It's never occurred to him that the river's powers are real, that anything could be governed by rules he didn't know about. He's Rusty's closest friend, other than me, Rusty's fiance, minus a ring. I didn't lose it on purpose. Makes me think of that lost boy on the flyers outside of Albertsons who went missing years ago. I'm sure he didn't mean to walk by the riverside and disappear. The police said probable abduction, but you know what I thought? Maybe the rivermen wanted him. From the tales my great-grandmother told me when I was a girl, it's quite an honor if the rivermen take you. They'll make you immortal, or super-powered, or happy. That's actually the part I wish I could remember. My great-grandma was as tall as me when she died, when I was seven, and I've forgotten some details. Nobody else talks like her. I've listened. I didn't know that lost boy, but he did have an interesting walk, really bouncy. I saw his class once on a field trip downtown, and he stood out. His dark head bopped up higher than the others, and his loose hands flopped at his sides like fish. It was an eccentric walk, you could say. Maybe that's what the river men liked about him. I have lots of eccentricities for a river man to like. It seems they also like gold. Of course I feel guilty about losing my engagement ring. Its absence casts me as the forgetful female. I'm always trying to convince Rusty I'm not. And now he's pulling in the drive. I meant to do the dishes. The mirror over the stove says I'm a windy red tangle, but that's what buns are for. I fix my hair, lick my lips to make them brighter, and change my hazel eyes from brown hesitation to green welcoming. The lock slides back, Rusty opens the front door, and I remember I need to stop caring about what he thinks. Hello, my love, he says, and sets his shoulder-slung briefcase by the wall. Hi, sweetie, I answer, fold my hands behind me, and lean back against the kitchen doorway. 
I can still see the outdoorsman hidden under his office clothes, his mass strength. He walks down the long hallway, his shiny businessman shoes tapping girlishly on the hardwood floor. With each step, his gelled hair lifts and falls like a wing on his forehead. I briefly wonder where our twenties went and when we got so domestic. Finally home, Rusty says, and sighs. I turn my face up, lips puckered. He encircles my waist, and for a second there, his nose mashes mine, our mouths seal, and I can't breathe. A panic flutter goes through me, but then he turns his head, and my nostrils work again. Knees bent, he pins me to the wall with his foot-taller body, and I'm unimpressed. Till magically, his hand slides down my back and simply cups my ass just right. He draws back, waits an inch above my neck, and breathes. And I'm panting. My body becomes a hot red ribbon draped around him like I'm a red vein leading to his heart. Each day I'm floored by his spell, amazed that it's happening. I'm powerless against the effects. I'd think I'd be more rational, yet it takes so little, and I starve for him, him, him. He pulls away just when I want him, and I feel like a sucker. He wipes his mouth and runs his fingers through his hair to crack the gel and muss it natural. You want a beer, baby? He asks, walking to the refrigerator. He kicks off his fancy man shoes and nudges them under the counter. Head in the fridge, he asks, yes or no? My engagement ring fell in the river, I answer, though I could have sworn I was going to say yes. He slumps half inside the fridge for a minute, then emerges with two beers, sets them on the counter, pops off one cap with his lighter, and sets the bottle cap down gently. It slipped off, I say. He hands over the open beer without turning. I take a sip. He opens his beer, sets down the cap, finally drinks. Staring at the counter, he asks, Don't you want to marry me? Come on, I say. I didn't mean to. I went to take a walk by the river this morning. It looks like all the geese are back. I was halfway back across the little fishing bridge when the ring slipped off and fell in. It was weird, Rusty, because it's humid today and my fingers are even swollen. That ring had a snug fit, but right then it just slipped off. I leave out how mesmerizing its circle was when it dawdled as it sank, drifting lightly back and forth as above my dry hand reached toward its escape. He sighs, then drinks his whole beer in one go. It's a noisy business, with a lot of swallowing sounds. When the river swallowed my ring, it made the quietest blip. Rusty gives a breathy burp, and asks in a resigned tone, Shouldn't we go look for it? I shut my eyes, lift my beer, and take three long swallows. As I drink, I imagine the Rio Grande with all those phantom rivermen swimming through the waves like silky ropes, and one riverman carries on his back the lost boy with the bouncy walk sitting straight up. 
When they rise over a wave, the boy sees me. He raises both of his floppy hands and hello. He doesn't fall off the river man, even without holding on, and his left hand glitters in the sunlight with my gold ring. I doubt we'll find it, I say, and give a burp of my own. But if you want, we can try. Rusty shakes his head, and I watch the muscles in his cheeks shift as he bites down hard. I want to know you'll be mine, he says, with the same thick voice earnest drawl he had at 15. We met when I was on my family's Rio Grande fishing trip. I crossed the little bridge as he was reeling in his third catfish. He had the ability to pull fish after fish from the water and caught two more as we talked. Plus, he was cute. So when he offered to cook me up that very catfish of hello, I ate it. Now I wonder, maybe eating his fish is what did it. Because I changed. Love got in me and made me stupider. My intuition doesn't work as well around him. Or I suppose I don't follow it as much. In certain ways, it leaves me wide open. I've left him before. This last time I was gone four years. I had another life with my own waffle garden. I was independent and square-shouldered. I felt wise. I'd moved on, but not really. Each time the curling memory of him hooks me, I think of him more and more and long for the mysterious way we're attached. It always catches me eventually, and then I seek him out leave my coming harvest, and return like I did last year while he remains close to the Rio Grande, like he's still standing on that little bridge, reeling me in. I've never loved anyone like I have Rusty. With such a solid claim on me, it's like I never had a chance. Just be mine, requests my river man now, in the same whispered urgency he said it with then, and I want to run away. Then he touches my waist, and a current runs through the magnet of me. Observe how I turn to yes, and those are my hands that climb his back as he licks my neck, kissing my hair wet. Wrapped in his embrace, I watch the water tumble down the carpeted stairs, swash over the kitchen floor, and eddy around our ankles. Soon, Our house is hazy green and roaring. It's flooding with the river's uncontrollable currents. Come to return his ring to him.